The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 400 for Monday, June 4th, Observers, Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in some questions, you send in your tips, we provide some answers, or at least the process of how we might get that answer, and some tips of our own. And then, actually, today we're going to talk about something a little bit different, but that's because it's show number four hundred here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton, and here in Fearful, Connecticut where we're not going to talk about any of the things. Well, no, I think we we're going to touch on some of the things that Dave mentioned that we almost always do. <laughs> yes. Again, John Efron of Fairfield, Connecticut, and then back up to you. Hey, pilot Pete here. Glad to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Happy 400, John. Happy 400. Yeah. Pete. yeah happy 400. That's a big unbelievable. Milestone. So, so when did we start so this again, Dave? This or? <laughs> we, we started this. No, this is it. Uh, this is the last episode. No, no, it's not at all. Uh, we started this on June. Th- the first public episode was June 13th, 2005. Uh, of course, there were several, not that many, but several uh, test attempts, if you will, uh, that we did internally that we never released uh, just to kind of get an idea of what we wanted to do. And then, of course, and that first episode was just us talking, I think, about Tiger, what we liked about it, John. And um, and of course, we had no idea of doing the Q and a thing when we started the show that that was episode, I believe episode number three. No, because we knew people wanted to hear what we thought about all things. Apple. That's right. Quickly learned that. Well, (laughs) that there was something better for us to do. Maybe that's not the best agenda. (laughs) Well, because you know, number one, there are a lot of people that do that. Right. And, Number two, just between you and I, I think our accumulated knowledge over the years, some of it, I think we're going to share some of our inspirations for how we acquired that knowledge. But we realized, you know what? That's. Yeah, we were better suited to do what we do. And uh, and I think that worked has worked out very, very well. You so. guys didn't even talk about the iPhone or the iPad on that show either. You know, I mean, you yeah. stuck straight with the Mac. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> well, we were under NDA uh, for the iPhone yeah. oh, and the iPad it. back okay. in 2005. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's right. Deep, deep cover. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so as we have, so yeah, it's actually important to note that this, this is show number 400, obviously, and and we're doing a little celebration here. Uh, and the, the topic of the episode will be a departure from what we normally do, but, but hopefully something that's as uh, interesting for you to listen to and fun for you to listen to as it is for us to do what we're about to do here. But, uh, but the next show number 401 is going to be recorded on June 13th, 2012. So that'll actually be our seventh anniversary. We will acknowledge it there, but, but uh, you know, we want to, we need to get back to uh, what we normally do. And so that show will mostly be that Uh, of course it'll also have been after the WWDC keynote and, and that sort of thing. So, but it it will be a more traditional show, but uh, so yeah, very interesting to have these two kind of back to back. I tried to organize it so that we had show number 400 on the third, on the seventh anniversary, but uh, it just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to skip a week for the sake of skipping a week. So anyway, uh, so the idea for, for today, we've always done sort of retrospective stuff. We've talked about our history of computers. We've talked about our history uh, of internet connectivity or connectivity, I should say. But, uh, 
So, so, you know, as John and I were tossing around ideas, we came up with uh, the concept of how tech has made our lives better. And specifically, you know, not just the technology, but, but then what we used it for and, and how that's actually made things better. It, it, it's, it's actually very easy to say, oh yeah, you know, technology has made our lives better. It's also probably just as easy to say technology has made our lives worse. Double-edged sword. Yes. Uh, but today we're mostly, at least the intention is to focus on the former. And, uh, and, and, and so we'll give some, some specific examples and I'm sure we'll, we'll throw it all around here. So, uh, so John, are, are you eager to, uh, to kick this off or shall I kick it off? I'm going to kick it off. Go. So, so, you know, I'm looking back and thinking back when I was a wee lad and looking at some of the technology that, I think inspired me or okay. and looking back to some of the early days, Dave, yep. and some may chuckle at this, but a lot of it revolves around um, RF or radio. And one of the first examples that I can think of in my head here, so I'll mention a couple, but I still think back to when I was little. And one of the things, you know, we're talking preteen here, or maybe, you know, double digits, one of the things that always drew me and, and was always something that I was just attracted to from day one. My dad was, was a, a, a techie too, I think, in a sense, and that, you know, he was always tinkering with things and building things more on the mechanical side than the electronic side. I, I kind of picked up the electronic baton, but radio was something that I was always interested in. And I still remember back that one of the first things that I enjoyed using when I was a young person was a basic AM radio. And actually, it was something that, that just fascinated me because here's this box and there are people in it talking to me. Yeah. And telling yeah. me about. So, um, you know, and I, I still think, yep, they still have it. So, so one of the stations, I think it was a local station. It's still in existence. WICC 600 AM. I remember that. And I would listen to that and it would have, you know, news and, and uh, you know, and even back then I was always, you know, kind of interested in what's happening in the world. So I would listen to news, weather. And it was AM, you know, but it was a local station. And I look now and it apparently is still in existence, which, uh, you know, amazes me. Um, you know, I know a lot of people right now don't listen to radio anymore. You know, I, I still do even <laughs> in the car. I'll listen to AM and to, FM. It is funny, ironic, rather, to uh, start off our 400th podcast talking about the the great things that uh, that exist with radio right i mean it it's it's both completely fitting and then also you know diametrically opposed but but it but you're right yeah it's uh i am I'm, I'm with you i and some of the data was, points uh, so some of the data points that then got me more interested which i would say you know getting more into the what is technology done for me in the social aspect so then past that then i got a bit more interested and i think the next one that i moved to was shortwave Okay. So of course, AM is short range and then shortwave. Now, once I got, and I think, you know, I got myself a shortwave radio now, as, as most of you probably know, or if you don't, shortwave is global and then you can hear stuff happening all over the world. Uh, a lot of times you have to wait until the evening because there's all sorts of things with radiation patterns and, and things that are happening during the day, but uh, usually at night. And that was another thing is that all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I'm listening to stuff in other countries, especially, you know, some kind of weird countries like, you know, Radio Moscow and Radio Cuba and, you know, kind of leaning towards, you know, doing stuff that was forbidden, you know. So listening to broadcasts from these countries uh, all over the world, I don't think I ever got into QSL cards. That was what some people did. You could write to these shortwave stations. They would send you a card back saying, yes, we confirm that you heard us. And uh, 
So that was very cool. And then, then the part that got interactive, so that was the passive part, but then the part that got interactive is that, and this started in high school, and this was right around the CB craze, which is probably a good thing. So CB, for those that don't know, some do, some don't, but that was basically something that allowed people to talk to other people with a radio without having to get a license. You could just go to your local Radio Shack or whatever and get a radio. That's right. Yeah, that was big in the 70s. It, it was huge. And it was. Yeah. There was there was a whole culture yeah. around it, but I kind of fell into, and this was probably my first encounter with social networking. Now, now I, have a, I have a question. Pete mentioned the Go. 70s, um, because the 70s were when I was uh, introduced to, who, who's hitting their mic stand? Is that me? It might be me. I'll be okay. Oh, Yo, it's your foot. Okay. That's the problem. Right. You're going to, you're going to be thrown out of here if you keep doing that. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. Hi, sir. Um, I did it again. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We either need to hear, I'm going to mute your mic stand uh, while right. you move I'm that gonna around. Move, I'm going to move myself. There you go. From it. All right. Uh, so in the, in the seventies was when I got uh, introduced to CB from, from my, my father and my grandfather and my uncle, my father's brother. So all the men in that family were, were into CB and that, you know, I was around it constantly. And then, of course, ham radio as well was huge. They all had base station. We had one at our house. My grandfather had one at, at his house. And and they had been involved in CB and ham uh, when they were kids. My dad and, and my uh, my uncle, uh, obviously, uh, were, were involved in that. So so it was the 70s when I was introduced to uh, CB. But I think your introduction to it. Well, I'm curious as to when, because I, I knew you. No, it was about using, the same. Okay, all right. So, well, was maybe it, late seventies, early eighties, because I think it was when I was in late middle or early high school, which was around the seventies or the eighties. Yeah. But um. But what happened then is so you know I would get a radio, and then this is what got me hooked up with a lot of the 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 people in the general area. I think I started with one in my car. So it was yeah, it was in the eighties. But this was the social networking of the time because right. you could get on the radio. So you, and, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, like I'm saying is that, you know, I would get on the radio, we'd just get on a certain channel and just be like, hello, hello, and just hope that someone heard you. And, uh, or turn around the dial. And, and typically there were already pe- groups of people that already had, you know, the, the, you know, the small social circle and, uh, right. You know, a lot of times it was kind of shot in the dark in that you'd be like, hello, anybody out there? You know, breaker, breaker, you know, it was kind of yeah. <laughs> corny. But, then, yeah, you but you'd had, be then like, you hey, is anybody out handles? there? And uh, sometimes you'd, you'd hook up with somebody who you didn't even know. But a lot of times I, I think I, I tended to flip around the dial and listen to people that already were creating kind of a, a chat circle in that, you know, there, were, there was a group of people. They would try to take turns and, and just have a and typically at night, you know, after school and stuff like that. And people would talk. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I met a lot of people through that who, um, you know, I'm still friends with to, to this day. And, so you were, uh, you were actually using it in a, not because it was handed to you from your parents and, or, or, but you were using it to communicate with your peers. Most certainly. I was using it to, as an extension of a passive radio right. where, like I mentioned was right. AM radio or shortwave to an interactive medium. And right. I was like, Oh, well this one, Hey, if you know, I can get the guts to do this, I can pick up the mic and say, hi, it's right. me. Right. And, uh, so cool. I was taking the next step and then, then I met up with people and, and to take it one more step and then I'll hand it, then I, I want to get your input. 
But then the next step was that I met up with some people that were quite savvy in electronics and learned how to do things with the radios that they weren't necessarily meant to do. And that could involve either uh, maybe uh, giving it a little more power, which I tend to frown upon because you can do pretty much whatever you need to on a CB with four watts, which was the legal limit. Or, and here was the fun part, you can make the radio go to channels it may not be meant to go to. So you could kind of find these secret places to go when you didn't want to hang out with all the the noobs <laughs> or whatever you want to call them. So that introduced me to the aspect of, uh, well, you got this technology. Here's what it's meant to do. And here, if you, if you know enough about electronics and get a soldering iron and learn how to read schematics, you can make it do a little more than it was meant to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You get different channels and, and do different things. Uh, Pete, you were, you were trying to get a word in there. Oh, yeah, well, it was just interesting how you started on that with radio, because the one thing I was thinking of that, that certainly got me interested in technology early on, mid-70s, just before the CB uh, uh, fad came in. And uh, do you guys remember in the back of the comic books, you could buy those uh, little AM radio, pen radios, and you'd clip it to a metal thing like a downspout it had to be something big and metal a car antenna but a downspout on a gutter that sort of thing yeah and it would you get am radio stations without batteries and i thought that was the coolest thing in the world oh wow yeah the am signal was enough to power the the electronics in this pen and it was just a little little earphone oh, wait, a receiver yeah yeah. Oh, like a crystal set. Yeah. I mean, crystal sets, yeah. you could do that too. So some of the Radio Shack kits, and I, I think I remember having some of those kits. So yeah, with the, the energy in the radio wave was enough to, to power it, right? Yeah. And that was cool. Like, I was like, oh, oh I got to learn more about this. So uh started started messing with that a little bit. And then, of course, did all the walkie-talkie things, but saved up my Oh, money, I remember that. Channel 14. Put the crystals in. Yeah, it was, that was Channel 14. But then you could get the Radio Shack had some. <laughs> you could buy, you know, crystals and listen to Channel 19 too, man, because that's where the... The, the professionals were. truckers. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. So, yeah. Cool. Well, go, Dave. You're, you're, so uh, radio was my start, I think, in, in uh, touching on social networking and just learning about electronics and, and communications. Yep. And bringing it from, again, a passive thing to a, you know, a, a social thing. But yeah, your turn. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, a radio was, um, like I said, I mean, it, it, it was not something I ever used with my peers other than you, um, just because it wasn't, you know, I mean, I'm a couple of years younger than you, but I, it, I think it was more. A, 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 it just wasn't the thing that, that people in my town did. Right. So or at least not my my friends there. So I never never really got into it other than, again, communicating with you, which was great. Um, all right. So I'm trying to think changing gears a little bit here. Um, in the, in the concept of thinking about, you know, technology that's, that's then allowed me to do things that I never would have been able to do. Um, in 1994, I had taken a trip. I grew up in Connecticut and basically spent all of my life there. Hey, you know, we traveled to like Florida or something. Uh, for vacations and that sort of thing. But, but for the most part, I, I lived in Connecticut and and down in Fairfield County. And, uh, and when I was whatever age I would have been in 1993, I guess uh, I took a trip out West and was out there with some friends. And I walked in to, uh, this is going somewhere and there is technology part of this, but it's, but it's a good, it's, it's, a, it's all part of the story. So uh, it, it was about 1030 at night. We flew into, we had flown into uh, Denver, and then we drove pretty much all the way down to the Grand Canyon 
and then visited some, some other friends down there and then drove back and, and flew back in the course of a week. And it was, I remember it was 1030 at night. It was just outside of Flagstaff, Arizona. And we walked into what effectively was a 7-Eleven. It may very well have been a 7-Eleven, but it was sort of like that. And, uh, and, and three things impressed me. Uh, one was that you could buy uh, liquor at, at night, which you couldn't do in Connecticut because they, you know, after eight o'clock, you couldn't do that. Uh, you could also buy uh, guns and ammunition, ammunition at 1030 at night, which totally blew me away. And then the other thing that blew me away was that, uh, everyone that was in there looked me in the eye. And this was a very different thing from where I grew up. Uh, you know, growing up out just outside of New York, it's very, very compressed. Uh, and everybody sort of has to create their own space. And uh, a lot of that manifests itself in this, you know, kind of shoegazing thing. Right. So everybody, you know, sort of ignores everybody else. And, and it just blew me away. It was like, wow, it really can be different elsewhere. And, and that was the thing that made me decide to move. Now we eventually, as, as, as most of you know, uh, or I've heard on the show, we eventually wound up moving to Austin and I moved there with Lisa and she was my girlfriend. We'd actually never lived together before, but trial by fire seemed to work out just fine. Uh, but we needed to pick a place to go. And this is where technology comes in. So this was 1994. I posted a message to, uh, a bunch of different news groups, uh, the internet, I guess, I guess the web existed at this point, but it was very, very much in its, in its infancy, certainly compared to where it is today. All 76 websites, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, but you, you know, the Usenet was, was, and still is this collection of news groups. And, and it was very, very active. And it was something that I'd been using for a very long time. Um, well, relatively speaking, and so I, I wrote up this description of where we wanted to live. And uh, I knew I'd be moving there with Lisa. She was interested in horses. I was obviously interested in computers and also music and uh, giving no indication as to where we had visited or uh, or where we were coming from. I, I put this out to, I don't know, six or seven news groups. And I got, I, I think, just over 100 responses from people. And in sheer number alone, Austin Texas and San Francisco, uh, the Bay Area, uh, were the ones at the top of the list. So so from that, we then planned a vacation to each place and and wound up choosing Austin for, for a variety of reasons. But but it, it would not we would not have made that move to Texas were it not for being able to reach out on Usenet and and talk to these other people all around the world. And it, and it so it was it was this thing where you know technology sort of transcended itself and and that to me that's where it really that's where it really matters right is when you can take this stuff and don't get me wrong I love just playing with technology for the sake of playing with it right but but kind of the point of this episode was to find those times where it really made a big big difference and uh, and that certainly did. I mean, it was, you know, it was a radical change for our lives when we moved down there. Like I said, we'd never lived together, but we also had no jobs. Um, we had to find a place to live and, you know, all this stuff, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it worked out. So it was, it was good, but, but it, if it were not for Usenet, I don't know how else I would have done it. I'm sure I would have, we would have figured something out, but, uh, but Usenet was instrumental in, in allowing that to happen. So, so that was, that was the Usenet first one on for the, my list for the, Uninitiated, Usenet being a system, if I could describe it, but a Usenet is, I think, a huge, I'm going to call it a bulletin board, which is a system where you have what we're going to call news groups, and each one has a specific topic, and they're they're broken down in hierarchies. And, of course, anyone can post 
a message and anyone can read a message and anyone can reply to a message. And, uh, but it's this big, I think for the most part, global community. And I think it's still in place. Uh, you can yeah. use it to either write text messages or some people actually use it to uh, transfer files, whether they be wares or pictures or, or whatever, but it's a still a, a very active from what I can tell a, a global system for posting and reading messages and replying. And again, yeah. a sense of, you know, kind of like I, Talked about a sense of community. Yeah. You reached out. It's like, well, I don't know if anybody's going to read this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, and it, you know, what's interesting is up until, well, certainly in the last seven years, it was probably about five years ago that Comcast killed off their newsgroup server. But, but you used to get access to Usenet servers pretty much as part of your um, ISP. Right. I mean, certainly with all my dial up accounts, I had access to whatever that hosts Usenet server was and I could use it. And then when I got broadband, Charter had one that when I was had them down in Connecticut and uh, and SBC had one when I had DSL down in Connecticut and then Comcast had one up here and Time Warner had one when I had that in Texas. That was my first um, cable modem was was that, you know, non doxis Time Warner thing that I mean, it, you know, it was a long time ago. But yeah, and actually in the in the early 90s, I was actually a Usenet uh, or I, I was the admin for our corporate news server. Because, very cool. Well, no one else was willing to do it. The thing was, I, I realized at that point. So it was when I was doing my last corporate gig in the early 90s. And I realized, you know what? Usenet could be a valuable tool. Of course, it's been superseded now by the web and all that. But right. back then, Usenet was a way for people to communicate with companies and indicate their satisfaction or more often than not dissatisfaction. And I still remember I would go. And the reason I, I, I lobbied for this and, and we actually had it available. I think our connection at one point was through BBN. And I'm like, you know what? We, we got to set up a news server, uh, number one, so people can have access to this throughout the company. And it was mostly the, the turbo geeks who, who were, felt it was important. Right. But um, back then I was like, you know, we got to set up a news group server because, you know, we got to monitor this channel for business reasons. And uh, number two, we can reply to people. And, and I still remember uh, having customers who, who were complaining about problems with the company and I would relay this and I'm like, you know, look, there's someone on Usenet or in this news group that says, you know, that this aspect of our company sucks. And can you address this? And they would. And, and then the people were like, oh, my gosh, the power of the Internet. Yay. And it was but but I felt so strongly about it that I actually, you know, dedicated a, a computer and actually worked with our, our ISP at the point at, at, at that time and said, look, you know, I'll, I'll you know, give me the, the feed in and out and, you know, I'll, I'll administer the, the server and set up, a, you know, get some hard drives and establish it but wow that's pretty fun. cool man i mean that that's it's like a precursor to twitter now it, you know it, comcast it, cares and those right <laughs> right it's what people are using yeah. well it was hardcore because you know yeah. whenever i was you know when i uh, again in my last corporate gig there were so many times when the people i was working with mostly the techies just realized the reach of the technology and realized it's not just technology but it's you know, a way for you to find out that customers are unhappy and try to meet their needs. And of course, now, as you guys are pointing out, I think it's, you know, now it's Twitter and, and, and other mechanisms. But back then, the only vehicle people had is like, you know, yeah, I'm going to get on Usenet and say, these guys suck. And <laughs> let's see if anything happens. And I would set up filters or whatever to monitor and say, okay, if you find the, you know, company name and, and something like that, then, you know, forward the message to me because maybe it's something we can take care of. And, yeah. 
Yeah. That's very cool, man. I had no idea that you did. That's that's awesome. <laughs> that's great. All yeah. at the speed of dial up too, right? Uh, well, no, he, you no, were probably I think we had a, we had oh, a T1 true. at yeah, least. Okay. okay. So when, <laughs> but even now, I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, a T1 is 1.5 megabits a second, I think. That's right. I know. Which now is, you know, I mean. We used to I mean, dream that was a, you of know, having a T1. I mean, that was it. Well, that was yeah. the funny thing yeah, is right. that, you know, so at one point I worked for a company that had T1. And then now, I mean, uh, and I, I, I kept joking at one point because the thing was they were kind of slow to roll this out to the, the, the employee population. Like, dude, you know what? I have more bandwidth at home than the company has it's like that's wrong oh yeah and eventually somebody got it you know eventually more and more people got it that yes all right this is you know i mean there were points in time where people were shaking their fists saying the internet should not be used for commerce blah 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 and and i could understand and i think i was part of that mindset at the at the early point when it it was still a research and and uh educational and and you know kind of you know propeller head thing and not a commercial thing but everybody knew that it had to boil down to something that you know would would help drive business well you know it that's um yeah i mean it, it didn't have to but my my feeling on on a lot of that stuff and you know i i i think the space program is slowly finally heading in this direction and and obviously the internet is a classic example i i think it's up to the the government to spend the the r&d money to develop this stuff i can't imagine something like the internet happening uh from being generated by private industry. Right. I mean, it's very, very difficult to do. The same is true of NASA. There's no way that that's going to happen from, uh, you know, from, from venture funding. Right. Right. It's just not profitable. It's just right. But, but that's, but that's the point of of all this R and D and taking tax dollars and figuring it all out. But then once it, once the government gets it to a point where it's like, Hey, here it is, we figured it out. That's the point at which it is time for for commercial industry to come in and say, yeah, OK, we'll take that. And and now it's ours to grow and and ours to maintain. And it's not up to the government to keep spending money and, and doing this. And and the Internet was a classic example of that, like I said. And, and the space program is, you know, with Branson and what he's doing and and Richard Garriott, you know, kind of did his own. I mean, he created his own thing. But that's the idea is is, you know, figure it out. Take take what's existed and now and now build on it so so yeah and it and any of those things i mean when the internet kind of went through that transition it happened very very quickly but there were there were everybody was a vocal opponent to it and you said you were and i probably was too i mean it's like oh wait you're gonna ruin this and it's like no this is what's supposed to happen it's it's you know we invested in this and now it's supposed to turn around and help us so that's good that's good you um you uh, we twitter came up in in that last little discussion about your your pioneering of customer service via the internet john and and i had twitter on my list of of things that have have changed had you know impact beyond that it it, specifically because of this show twitter has been a fantastic way for for me and and john i think too to keep in touch with all of you it's it makes it so easy for one person to keep in touch with literally thousands uh, because you're, you know, you're not all contacting us at the same time, but, um, but it, it allows for some, I'll use air quotes, you know, interpersonal interactions um, in a way that would have been impossible if you had a, you know, if we were just doing this as a regular radio show before Twitter or anything like that. So, so Twitter was actually on my list because of, because of the show, because of the podcast. Um, 
And, and you know, I, my, my guess is you feel the same way about that too, John. You know, I had mixed feelings because it, it, it's funny in that you introduced me to it. And I think it was when we were at the, uh, when it was still called new media expo. No, I've been on Twitter for about four or five years ago or was yeah, it the podcast yeah, expo? I know you're right. It was, it was either, I think it was blog world expo where I introduced. I don't you know to if it. it changed the blog world yet. And actually I'm going to that later in the week that yeah, in right. New York city now, but um, but whatever. Anyways, it you introduced me to it, but it was a trade show that we were at and you uh, first, I heard the things about it. And the, and the problem is a lot of people just, <sighs> It's very hard for a lot of people to describe the essence of it to other people. And I've had this problem too, trying to, you know, convince friends and family uh, to adopt it. It's either you get it or you don't. And I think is the, the thing is until you drew me into it and told me, you know what, this may be. And I think it, the, the justification was, you know what, there's a bunch of Mac people going to this trade show. And you know what, you may want to get on Twitter because it, it, it's a good way to kind of keep in touch with people in near real time. Uh, people that you, you know. And yeah. to me, then all of a sudden the switch flipped. It, it was this thing that had been that my perception was it was something irrelevant. It's a waste of time. It's like, who's going to sit there watching all these tweets and, you know, all this garbage from people you don't know and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden it turned into a relevant, relevant tool, which uh, not only you and I, but, you know, most of our, you know, at least Mac crowd uh, adopt because uh, the, the, to me, the, the first use was again, I'm at a show, I'm at an event and I need to know what's happening and what's cool and what's not cool. And the, the, to me, it's, it's one of the better uses of, of the uh, technology to, to do that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. What do you, what do you have next on your list there, John? Back to the past. So I'm going to cool. wrap up. Oh no, I got a growl alert. I'm going to wrap up. So the radio thing, um, the, the only thing I want to wrap up with the radio thing is that the other thing that I got into with my radio pals was not only CB, but scanning. And this is a, a, a trend with what I like to do with technology, but it was getting a radio scanner or what they call a police scanner. And yes, we listened to the police because yeah. a lot of the people that I hung out with, we had not only CBs, but we had vehicles and we tended to like to drive around town and hang out. And sometimes it would attract the attention of the, uh, and, and some of the members of the group may have been unruly and noisy and it would attract the attention of the, the local law enforcement. Well, how do they communicate? You guessed it with the radio. Well, Hey, you can get the special radio that listens to the cop channels. And actually you can get a book that lists all the cop channels or go online and get that. So it, it was endlessly hilarious to me that we would all be hanging out in an area, you know, trying not to be too noisy or stuff, but some people again would get out of control. And then all of a sudden you would hear on the radio. Yeah. You know, a report of youths gathering and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, Oh, okay. Everybody start up the car, drive away. <laughs> it was like Keystone cops. It was hilarious. I just loved it. So, yeah, no, the scanner. Uh, moving. You got no, you got me hooked on the scanner too. But the scanner wasn't only listening to police, but it also you could listen to ham radio, you could listen to two meter, you could listen to uh cell phones for a while there. It's like, whoa. So yeah. but scanning was another thing. It's like all this stuff that is hidden is all of a sudden available to you in, in this world of RF technology. I still use my scanner. I still have a Pro 43, a a, a realistic a radio shack scanner and uh but i really the only thing that 
It, Pro 43 handheld? Yeah. The only thing I that think I sold that to you. Did I sell no, that to you? I bought it new from Because I had Radio one Shack. too and I, I lost track of it. I, I thought I sold it to you or I, I sold it to somebody. But I still have, I think I still have three, at least three. So I have a desktop, uh, a mobile. No, I think I have two, but still. Yeah. But I use it to, uh, to listen to the local air traffic control. Because you can pick oh, that sure. up, you know, and, and hear the planes coming into uh, to peas right, right locally here. So that part of it's fun. Of course, it's much easier uh, than turning on the scanner to just go to liveatc.com and listen to it right there. They even have an iOS app. Uh, so it's that's sort of, you know, taking the, uh, the place of the scanner. But but you can actually hear the stuff, it, you know, radio um, air air traffic control is still over. Regular analog, non-encrypted, mm. open channel, single channel uh, communications, whereas scanners, you can get scanners now that'll listen to the, the police stuff, but the old ones won't do it because they, they're now on these uh, well, digital switches. And digital, and yeah, it, it, yeah. My local one is still on, I think, VHF. It's still, you know, it's mm. a repeater system, but I can pick it up. So that's cool. So most of the local ones here are not using any sort of fancy digital thing because, you know, I, I think a lot of them tend to get complicated, you know, as far as switching and trunking and the, you know, it's just broadcast and receive. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I'm glad my local town, you know, Fairfield still uses a, you know, I think two frequencies or a few frequencies and they have a repeater and, uh, I can pretty much hear both sides of the conversation and, uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, cool. The other thing I want to bring up, though, the, the, the other thing, Dave, that I think was an inspiration for both of us was modems. So, of mm -hmm. course, uh, as most of you probably know, modems. What does a modem do? A modem let you basically let your computer computer communicate with another computer over analog phone lines, which they certainly weren't meant to do. But when you get a modem, then hey, all of a sudden. And similar to the pattern I mentioned with radio is that the same sort of thing happened with modems. So initially, it was single user. So it was a user. Typically dialing into a bulletin board or another computer and maybe having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And so that was certainly cool. And both you and I did that, Dave. And then yep. I ran a bulletin board. You ran a bulletin board. The person calling in certainly had the ability to, to chat with, you know, the mighty sysop, which is what we both were. Right. That's right. <laughs> or system operator. But then it got interesting because then we had um, some people in the area who tended to... Uh, uh, I'm not sure how they did it, but would have access to multiple analog phone lines. And so I, I think the the biggest one, Dave, that you and I both ran into, or I certainly did, and that, that was another social circle, was Diversadial. Well, Diversadial, uh, Jim's Diversadial, most specifically, which was running Connecticut, somewhere in Connecticut. I forget yep, yep, exactly yep. where, but that's where you and I met. That was the first time you and I interacted with each other. Oh, we did. Okay. It was on gyms. Yeah. So Diversadial, I think, was a system that may have run on other systems, but I think initially ran on the Apple II. I think it was only on the Apple II. You, you put a bunch of Apple Cat modems in the slots, and that was how it worked. Or other, but I think that the, the ability, it hinged on the fact that the Apple II had, yeah, and I think it was mostly slots. So you could either get a serial card and then a modem, but the thing is, because the Apple II, I think, had six or seven expansion slots. You could, in theory, if you had the money and the phone lines, you could set up a six or seven user, uh, and, and I think you could also link them. But but uh, there was one guy, yeah, I think, uh, I, I, I haven't been in touch with the guy. But he set up a system where seven people could log into the system and chat, and it was S called Diversadial. Six plus him, right? Right, and then yeah. the software was called Diversadial. 
and you could either get a free account or I think you could get a paid account and then get a guaranteed, you know, amount of time and, and, uh, and things like that. And that lent itself to things like, yeah, I think you and I meeting and, and, and then we actually had, and some of them got kind of weird because the thing is online as with any chat system, things well, get any, weird. You don't know who you're dealing with, especially. That's, yeah. Are they male? Or are they female? How old are they? And uh, yeah, so, some of the gatherings. Not to, to overgeneralize, but 99.9% of the time, the, the, the question was, the answer was, yes, they're male. I mean, it's just just because that's what most people that had modems back in that day were. Again, it's right. not not to not to be sexist or anything. Just the reality. Of oh, it no, was, no, no, that's no. What it was. No. And it was just a. Yeah. And I'm sure it's changed. Well, obviously, I think it's changed. But the thing was, I mean, at some of these gatherings, you would have 25 to 30 guys and to, to every one female. And it was like. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's right. It's just how it happened. Because the guys were were, were the geeks. back then the tech geeks and yeah. the the ones that ran the bulletin boards and uh, I mean you know I got I got to remember the thing is if I go through the list of people that I knew were system operators ran bulletin boards I yeah I would say it it was probably about a thirty to one if not more ratio between ones that were male and ones that were female so not being sexist just pointing out the yeah. facts back back when you and I did that sort of thing. Um, I'm trying. So again, modems. I, I think uh, so. So so to wrap it up, the point I'm making is that modems again evolved from a single uh, from a passive, somewhat passive utility with you and the sysop to all of a sudden, and then and then there was the system that that my friend Steve over in Wilton, and I'm still uh, in touch with him on Facebook, but a friend of mine actually wrote his own on a PDP. I think it was actually a computer, so he worked for a company, and they were actually ditching a PDP computer, and he's like, you know what? No, don't throw it away, and he actually wrote his own software. Yep. Was it Telcom? Comlink. It was tel- Comlink. That's it. Oh, yeah. he remembers better than mine. <laughs> yeah. I remember it's Telcom was another one, but Comlink and my buddy Steve, who I'm still, who I'm still in touch with on, uh, on uh, Facebook, but that was funny because then, so he was local. So he was in the next town over and, and we became friends through the local bulletin board scene. So he was a different animal and that he was more the multi-user chat thing. And he had the PDP mini computer and then the, the multiple haze modems. Mm-hmm. And I remember going over to his place, we'd, you know, get a couple of six packs and hang out. And then, uh, then, then we started getting silly. And the thing was, there were certain people on the chat system that we didn't necessarily like. I think, I think and he's like, yeah, this, he's on line three. Story and he's before, like, but yeah, tell it again. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you see that modem over there? That's line three. You know what? Um, yeah. Hit the switch on that one. <laughs> and we disconnect the guy or even better. And this was the. The, the, this this is the part that I found hilarious. So not, you know, because that that's kind of mean. I mean, you know, turning them off and disconnecting them. I mean, we, we'd only do that, you know, to people that were calling in for free just to free it up for another person. But then he got clever and he's like, you know what? Check this out. So he was savvy enough. So he actually wrote a piece of software that would encourage people to disconnect because what it would do is that because he wrote the software, he would write a little piece of software. Now, if, if you if you're if you've used a modem, you know that sometimes modems run into line noise because it's an analog phenomenon. And sometimes if they're hiccups, um, yeah, you may see little, little weird characters. But to, ra- uh, to, to wrap it up quickly, what happened is that he wrote a program that would inject what appeared to be line noise into the communication stream of the person that we wanted to go away. And they eventually would sometimes 
That's fun. So it was just very clever on his yeah. part. It, it, it was hilarious. No, it's good. But it was great because we, we would sit there and we were, we were the guys running the system. And, and, uh, and we also had, a, you know, another, in addition to Diversidile, we had this system, Comlink, that was another local community. It was mostly people who were within, you know, I would say 30 to 50 miles of each other. And, uh, and the, the thing that held us back was that we had to be able to call each other locally, at least legally. Right. Well, or, <laughs> and that's or what kept all these commu- anyway. Yeah. Right. And that that and that's what all these communities had, I think, in common. And then there was a local sense of community, both with the that's my true. bulletin board, your bulletin board, the Diversidile, and also Comlink. Is that it was pretty much a local calling thing because unless you broke the law, you couldn't call long distance without raking up a big bill. That's right. Yeah. No. And that's true. And and that you know the 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 bulletin boards I had it on my list too, for, for that reason, actually, that it, it would transcend the, the board, uh, because we would occasionally, you know, maybe once a year, twice a year, we would get together, uh, and we'd host a, a gathering of all the users of the bulletin board. And it wouldn't be all of them, of course, but you know, you'd probably get 10, 15, 20 people together to show up at, you know, we'd, we'd meet at some park or some beach or whatever. And people would bring, park. Yeah. We'll right. We, yeah. People would bring, you know, that's a Norwalk sodas or Still, I think. Right. Yeah. And, and people into it would just be a big picnic is essentially what would happen. And we'd, we'd all get together and, and it was nice. Cause you could, you know, somebody would show up and you, you wouldn't recognize them. And then they'd come up and introduce themselves and say, this is my name on the, my handle on the bulletin board. And you'd be like, Oh, Holy cow. You know? And, and, and it was, it was actually a great way to extend that, um, that, that community. Uh, so that, yeah, no, it, I always, like I said, you know, I always looking for, for this show, especially, looking for those, those angles where, where the technology actually makes life better and, and to be able to meet people and, and all of that good stuff. Yeah. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah. I want to jump in on that too. I had the, uh, I want to say it was 92. I deployed to uh, Japan and, uh, that, that was the technology it was a modem. I had a 14, four, man, I was smoking. Wow. I, I, I paid over a hundred bucks for that thing too. I think <laughs> you might've paid more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I had, I had figured out how to set it up on a receive mode and I got deployed to Japan. So, well, it was still somewhat expensive. Um, lacking any other means it was uh generally speaking using the apo system it was still a better than a week week and a half to get the written word back and forth between the wives who were stuck back in the states on yep. the east coast and uh, and us uh, in japan so what i did is i set my computer up to receive calls on the line when i knew my wife would be at work and i had a little laptop a little tandy laptop with me that i brought to japan now it cost a little bit of money not not too much i'm sure but uh to uh, so that we would type things like the squadron CEO had his report to all the wives. And, and I was also able to send immediate letters to my wife, email, if you will. Right. By, right. You know, without an email address, but just directly to my phone line, it would pick it up and I had a way to transfer a file right there. And she knew to go in and, and check when she got home from work. And so that's how we, for, in 1992, we kept the squadron a little bit closer. Uh, no. And yeah. yeah, all the guys were able to uh, write to their wives and that sort of thing. And, the, you know, the agreement was she would, you know, eyes only. She wouldn't look at it. She'd sure. print it out and send it to, you know, whoever, you know, down the street. So we were able to write back and forth basically on an um, almost instantaneous basis for lack of a. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. right. So, wow. So you set up, effectively, you set up your own email gateway. Exactly. I mean, exactly. you know, yeah. hacked together. You know, and, and yeah, and had to print it out. I mean, like, and, uh, you know, we didn't, I'm sure the squadrons had fax machines. Uh, well, no, I'm actually, I'm not sure they did uh, in those days. 
So, you know, like in a fax machine and. Yeah, I'm sure there's some security uh, problem that you you totally skirted by. But uh, wow, dude, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, it was great. So that was how we, uh, you know, in the early days used to use that uh, high speed modem technology to uh, to transfer uh, written word back and forth. That and the, you know, the weekly phone call, which I'm, I seem to remember spending 20 or 30 bucks a week on telephone. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone. You know, I was, I was ranting yesterday um, because cell phone bills are just ridiculous with all the fees and everything. I mean, we have the kids and everything on our thing, but we're paying like, we're paying over $200 a month for a cell phone. And I, I said, it's, it's just them getting us back for all the the blue boxing and freaking days and all that stuff. But, uh, um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that Dave. No, it used to, it used to be really, it used to be really expensive. I mean, you were paying, you know, sometimes you'd pay a dollar a minute for for a phone call. I mean, it was crazy. Of course, this was when they were doing their, um, I mean, they, they were, they were paying down the debt for, building the out the infrastructure yeah. right yeah. and that that obviously changed i guess it was what probably late 80s early yeah, 90s sprint started coming in it, and sprint divestiture was the one. and that's right yeah. yeah and then and then obviously rates dropped and dropped and now we get you know monthly video calls yeah <laughs> yeah right well yeah yeah exactly and, so in fact i had a conversation with my wife in brussels today of a, a, a video skype call yeah so yeah um so the, the 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 next topic I I wanted to or one topic I wanted to bring up was was cloud services um, again along the lines of of impacting life I I um and and we've talked about this on the show I mean this won't come as any great surprise but it really was a, a pretty profound impact I, my life has is such that I need to travel with with a computer for business and, and that sort of thing. And it, it's been that way for almost 15 years. Um, and, and so the, uh, the, 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 the thing used to be in 1998, I finally moved to a laptop as my main computer. I got my first laptop, actually I got my first laptop in 1990, 1996, 1995. Yeah. Before, right before I went on the road with hypnotic clam bake, and we talked about this in, I forget, I think it was show number 200, maybe, um, where I, uh, I used an acoustic coupler with that and which was a, a, a modem, uh, actually it was, it was an acoustic coupler would then plug into the modem in my laptop. It was a PowerBook 520C and I would, uh, I, I'd wrap that up against a payphone or whatever. And I, I could, I was using AOL at the time cause they had local dial in numbers everywhere. And, uh, and I was able to send email back and forth to, to Lisa, but, uh, but that laptop was very underpowered and it, it was fine for traveling, but it certainly wasn't the machine I wanted to use every day, all day. Well, when Apple came out with the Pismo power books in 98, that was fast enough. It was a 400 megahertz G three and it smoked, you know? So, so I got the, the, the laptop and I moved everything to it because while it wasn't as fast as my desktop, Anytime I needed to travel, I had everything with me so I could just grab the desk, the, the laptop and bring it. And I didn't have to worry. Do I have this data here? Did I copy all my email? Did I do any of that? Well, you know, now we've kind of come full circle. And last year I got away from having a laptop as my main machine. And it's because of cloud services. It makes it so that I can go anywhere. I don't even have to have my own computer. I can get on any computer or an iPad or an iPhone 
and I can get it this data that's out there. And obviously there's, there's setups that are easier than some, but, uh, but cloud services have really made a big, big difference. It, it was funny. The other night I was at a gig and I'd done up a set list, but I forgot to print it out or I'd printed it out. I didn't have the printout with us, whatever it was. And, uh, so I said, well, you know, one of the guys had an iPad and I had my iPhone. I said, fine, I'd saved it. And my documents folder, uh, that one was on Dropbox. And it's like, okay. So I just pulled it up on Dropbox. Like, here it is. Pages document. We can see it, you know, and now we've got the set list. We're good to go. Yeah. Got rid of that whole dilemma of what to take with me. If I have a main computer and a laptop, I, I faced that same thing. And I used to fight with myself all the time over trying to keep those hard drives synced. And of course the laptop hard drive in those days was nowhere near as big as the, as the main computer as my desktop was. And, and it was a fight. And I think it was probably about 97 or 98 when I finally went, all right, I'm just going to use a laptop. And it was a big old honking Dell. I know that thing must've weighed eight pounds. And uh, I finally came around about nine years later, went to Mac <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, it took you a while. Pete. Took a while. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, actually I did. Uh, my wife wanted at the time, my wife wanted to get a Mac because she was into teaching and they had a lot of really great educational software, but the Mac didn't run my flight planning software that I wanted. And uh, that's why I had gone to PC. You, you still with us here, John? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. I just wanted you've been you'd been quiet as I was telling my story, and then I realized I'm having a conversation with Pete, and it's like, uh oh, no, I was we, babbling. All right, good. Just letting you guys. Uh, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. I just I just wanted to make sure we were you know still connected here on Skype because that's that's yes, sir. Uh, that's a interesting thing. So all right, so we got you know we got time for a couple of more here. Uh, you have any 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 last one you want to throw in for us here, John? Yeah, probably the last one. And the other, the other one that drew me into the whole uh, computing circle here was the magic of putting something in a chip. And I didn't think of putting it that way until I put it that way now. So okay. my first exposure to a computer was, as I think I mentioned, was a PDP back in middle school. And it was a PDP 11 something. It was a teletype. Yeah. And dude, it was so cool. So uh, I was one of the people that I think was mathematically or scientifically inclined. And they, they're like, Hey, you know what kid, check this out. Even though you know I wasn't supposed to. And, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this thing is so cool. And it was like the small room and you know, there were only a few kids and, and teachers in there, but, but it was just the coolest thing ever. And I think the coolest thing was one, I think they had the adventure game running on it. So that was one cool thing is that you type something into the computer, you know, it's a game advent. You most of you've heard of it. If not, look it up advent. And you type in, and it's a game where you explore a dungeon or whatever, and, and you type in something and it responds to you. And it almost has a semblance of intelligence or cognizance. And it's like, wow. So I type in something that gets back to me. And it's like, maybe I can do this on my own. Hmm? And that was the second step is and then someone showed me, well, here, here's this language called basic. All right. You know, as the name implies, it's basic, but you could write your own program to do this. And, you know, the, the one that most people would do is, you know, input, what's your name? A string. And then input A string or something like that. You know, print, what's your name? Input A string. And then your name is whatever. And it's like, wow, the computer is so smart. <laughs> of course, yeah. the real programming goes way beyond that. But sure. it was just a, a glimmer back then being, you know, in middle or high school of, 
oh my gosh, I can make, and, and, and that, that's what drove me. So number one was seeing a computer being able to do, to, to do your bidding. But then number two, the other thing was the advance in the technology in that. So when I used the, uh, so when I was first exposed to a PDP level computer, here was the bad news about that computer. So the basic computer language, uh, from what I recall, took uh, under an hour to load from paper tape. Okay, paper tape. What did you load the paper tape on? You loaded it on a teletype. Okay, I'll leave people to look in there <laughs> to Google that. But still, it was painful. And, and every now and then, these computers were persnickety. And sometimes if you zap them with static, they would forget everything. You had to reload basic. Yeah. And to me, the big eye opener was when they got the first Apple II computer. And I was one of the, the little, you know, wee little geeks they introduced to check this out. And like, here's this Apple II computer. It's going to replace our PDP in the computer room. And they turned it on. And, and I'm like, and then they were like, oh, yeah, and there's basic in here. And I'm like, well, wait, how can you do that? They're like, it's on this little chip. And that was it. It was like, oh, are you kidding me? So basic, rather than loading it from this mechanical monstrosity into memory, is on this little chip. I'm like, I'm sold, man. And that's what. Really, just because the the interesting the the, the velocity or, or the 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 velocity of innovation in the computer space was swept me away. I can't believe I just said that, but I think it was it it really was what happened. I was like, oh my gosh, things are moving so fast. This is just the coolest technology or, or the coolest profession that I think I should that that I think will will help me out in my life. And so far it really has, but, but that was just an eye opener. It's like, all right, loading for 45 minutes to turning on and it's on a chip. Bam. Yeah. yeah. I'm done. I'm sold. The computers are the greatest. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. I, I never, I never had that realization the, the way you did only because I started the computer. I first started using basically I had basic, you know, in the ROM. So I, I understood there was a history, but I never, never experienced the change firsthand. So it never hit me as hard as it did you, but it totally makes sense. Wow. Very interesting. Um, I, I have, I have one thing that I want to kind of wrap things up with, but, uh, but I wanted to, to throw the, this Strava, uh, this bike app thing out there. That's actually been a, a very recent kind of life impact for me. Because I have a bike and I ride occasionally and then, you know, we, you, you hipped me to this Strava thing, or I guess a listener did, but, but it was, you know, you were sort of the catalyst to that. Yeah. Did. Yeah. But you were the catalyst. Well, I found the it. iBike thing. So I got right. iBike. iBike gave me a nice, a very nice enclosure, which I think is an awesome enclosure. And I still use it even with the Strava app, but they have an app, but sure. That's what got me started is, is a, a something that protects your iDevice from, from the elements, but sure. you can of course run Strava. Right. Well, and I run Strava with it in my pocket, but just the, the, the fact that I now have. Do you use the walk version? Cause there's a walk no. and a bike version. No, I use, the, I use oh. the bike version, but the fact that I now have this, this app that tracks what I ride, it, it's actually f not forced, but it's encouraged me to 
ride more regularly because I think, oh, yeah, I haven't logged anything in Strava yet, you know, uh, you know, this week or I've only logged one ride in Strava. I want to, you know, make sure I have at least two a week in there. And it it's a it's a good way to remind myself to exercise. I mean, I love it when I get out on the bike. It's it's I don't really even think of it as exercise, but, you know, it, it's that that encouragement. And and so it's yet again, that technology that sort of, you know, makes life better. And that's uh, that's that's that is the point. So. Yeah. So that was, that was my little thing. Yeah, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I, I use technology now in my daily life to include, you know, the, the jet I fly as an electric jet, as we say, you know, and I learned on the round dial jets and uh, well, <laughs> round dial jets, uh, Cessna 152, not really a round dial jet. That's but not a jet, no. Pete. No, <laughs> it's not. Oh man. <laughs> how, how long has it been since how you flew? How much jet time have I long? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but no, you started off with the steam gauges, as we call yeah. them, and uh, and and now uh, you need to learn to type fast with one hand and and figure out uh, where you're going. You know, control the airplane with the other hand, and uh, uh, it, it's amazing that how much you just take for granted the technology in, in everything that we do. And I remember being a kid and looking at Star Trek and thinking, "Wow, how far out is that?" And you talked about it, uh, I think, on a recent show. You know, the iPhone in some ways is a more powerful communicator than yeah. than that thing ever was. I mean, they just didn't have it in, the, in their minds that something so small uh, could be so powerful. Um, they use it now as a navigation device instead of a, instead of a compass and a map. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, geez, remember the brick phones? They were hundreds of dollars, and now uh, you know the the minutes are virtually unlimited. I mean, you pay you pay good money, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, all that and. And uh, long distance used to be expensive, expensive, and now it's practically free. And and I laughed that this morning. Uh, as I mentioned we had a uh, a video call uh, with my wife who's in Brussels today, and my six year old was so impressed by it that he was like, "Yeah, mom, good morning, love you," and walked downstairs to go play Wii. He he wasn't <laughs> the least bit impressed with the fact that he had a video conference with his mother who was across the ocean. I mean, things that we were kids to have something like that it was science fiction at, at, in the wildest extremes. Yep. And it's brought so much of that closer. And the last one I, I, I have to laugh at, um, if you've ever seen the movie Lost in Translation, um, it's it's mm -hmm. kind of an offbeat movie. It's Bill Murray, and he's over in Japan, and he's uh, kind of an aging star who's out of it, but he's gone over there to film a whiskey commercial. Okay. Um, but uh, being an international pilot, I have found myself in a hotel room in Osaka at 2 o'clock in the morning with nothing to do but uh, play with the electric curtain switch, open, close, lights on, light, you know, because everything's remote controlled by the bed in Japan, sure. you know, in the hotel rooms. And and because there's nothing on TV in English at that hour in the morning, you know, and there was, you know, one channel, that sort of thing. And now with technology, if uh, if I happen to be awake at 2 o'clock in the morning and, and uh, can't sleep and and I've got nothing left to read, but just turn on the laptop and watch uh, watch my Slingbox or watch Hulu yeah. or you know, or make a video phone call back home. So it's made this world so smaller. It's a double-edged sword because yes. I, I can always be reached, which isn't always good. But uh, it it's been amazing. I mean, I feel really fortunate and blessed to live in this age of technology and to watch the speed with which it's developed to wired in handsets and copper wire to communicate around the world at dollars per minute to, to this is been astounding. It's amazing. No, it, we really have lived in a very interesting time technolo technology wise. Um, and it's, it's why we, you know, those of us of, of our age, our relative age here um, do what we do because it's been such a, like you said, John, the, the speed at which things changed and, 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 at which technology got faster and better 
it's just amazing. So, yeah. Do I have a fish shake? Go ahead, John. A big fish shake. Go ahead. I didn't do it. <laughs> Wasn't me. Well, no, you didn't. No, and, and you guys have not. But I have been in numerous, not so much with friends, though sometimes I'll chastise them for doing this, but I, I've noticed as of late. So some people are saying, well, you know, American or whatever society is going to be taken over and we're going to be turned into soulless drones. And I see this to a certain extent in that I see a lot of people, number one, driving or operating a vehicle, whether it be a bicycle or walking on the sidewalk or operating your car. Stop it, please. Pay attention to what you're doing in a social arena, please. <laughs> especially, and I got to especially wag my finger at some of the local uh, law enforcement here. I saw one just hours ago, Dave. It was a guy, he was driving an unmarked cop car and he was talking on his phone and he was not being terribly observant. So sorry, fearful police. You may yell at me, but guys, you got to pay attention to what you're doing. I, I, I understand your law enforcement and, and you feel that you're above it all, but no, you're not. <laughs> Stop talking on your phone or your device. And number two, just in general, I see a lot of people kind of, kind of, so we're talking about the social aspect of the technology, but then what I see again is people drawing back in that they're on the, they're in a social, potentially social situation, but they're fiddling with their device. Yep. Yeah. To absolutely. the detriment of oh. being active or engaged in now, now some with the people around sometimes you. Yep. Maybe you shouldn't be now again, if you're on the train or you're, if you're on the train or you're you're on public transportation, then maybe the expectation is not that you should be engaged. But number one, especially if you're operating any sort of vehicle, whether it be a bicycle or a motorcycle or a vehicle, stop it. Put your thing down. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in social situations, yeah. I see a lot of this in that, you know, people where, where you're expected to be somewhat social, whether it be a grocery store or you know, a mall or something like that. And people are just engrossed in their device communicating with who knows who. So uh, to me, and I think uh, you and I, Dave, we said, we talk about the downside to me. That's the downside Actually, of this. We, people we said we, we said so we absorbed, but that's okay. <laughs> well, no, we should. Oh, no, I think we I have to is that people get sometimes so absorbed in the device that it, it, to me, that's the bad part of this whole yeah, no, I, well, it, like I said at the beginning, I specifically kind of wanted to focus on where it's been good as opposed to bad. But but that that's a that's kind of the, the classic overreaching example is that it's it's very easy because we can communicate with all these other people. It's very easy to let especially those of us that, you know, get very distracted easily or whatever. Uh, very easy to be in a, a group socially and yet be communicating with people outside that group and totally ignoring the people in front of you. So, so yeah, it's possible, but uh, I do want to get la one last thing in here. Uh, Go because, well, it's interesting. M most, I think perhaps not all, most of the things that we've mentioned in this show have allowed you and I specifically to either meet or keep in touch with each other. Uh, and it's always been about technology. I mean, technology has always been that thing that's sort of sort of bound us together. And this podcast is no different. In fact, without technology and without a lot of it, uh, this podcast wouldn't happen. And this is a very real thing. And we've got, you know, relationships at various levels with all of our listeners. 
And, and it's a, it's a very personal thing that we've, because of technology, I mean, we've got Skype that we're using here to, to communicate as though we're in the same room. Uh, today we're using Justin TV or whatever it is to stream that out. Uh, and, and for, for the record, I do want to, uh, get to a point here where we're always streaming Mac Geek Cab when we do it live, but we won't be using Justin TV. I think we're going to set up uh, our own um, broadcast server. I've got to work out some of the technical details of that, but uh, but that that's something on the on the short term radar. But uh, but anyway, you know, we're using for today Justin TV to stream this out to those of you that wanted to listen along. Obviously, we'll we'll use you know Cashfly and all of that to to stream the 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 recorded version, which is what most of you will get, of course. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, this podcast wouldn't exist without it. And, and yet to me, this is a, another classic example of where, you know, the, the end product transcends the technology and, uh, without, without really transcends. Yeah. Mm. Without really being it, it, without intentionally doing this, you know, we've we've kind of talked about how the, it's the communication aspect of technology yeah, for the most part. We've had a couple of things that have that have not been that, but but that that's been a you know a very driving theme throughout this show. It seems so very interesting. I think that gets us to uh, to where we're going to start wrapping this up. Let me uh, let me find the let me see if I can find the band. The band where? Never know. That's right. Let's give them the day Boys, off. Boys, come back. Come on in. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> It's a nice day. It it's like nice here. Day. It's a nice day, man. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be here. surprised. Not that, here. Uh, no. no. Well, not it's okay off, now. It's, I mean, the sun's sort of starting to poke through. But uh, so we do want to thank. Uh, you mentioned the communicators thing. Of course, that was when I was talking about Michael Johnston's show. We have communicators. He converts this show to AAC, and he also does his own podcast. We have communicators. So go ahead and listen to that. It's an excellent show. He does a fantastic job with it. Cashfly.com provides all of the bandwidth to get this from us to you. At least the downloadable version, that is. And then uh, we do want to thank our sponsors, uh, some of whom have been with us for a very, very long time. Uh, BB Edit from Barebone Software is still with us here in June. Uh, PDF Pen and Text Expander from Smile. Uh, about Barebone Software, they say that there's a iCloud-compatible version of Yojimbo coming. Uh, this month, so we shall see. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Again, PDF Pen and Text Expander from Smile. They've been a sponsor of this show since pretty much the be pretty much the beginning of when we started taking sponsorships on it. And uh, and then also in June, Gazelle at uh, Gazelle.com for selling all of your used Apple products, that uh, your pre-loved Apple products, and various other things as well. Or other, yeah. I was going to say not yeah. just Apple, but. Yeah, they've got a big focus on Apple, though. Check out the site; they've they've made sure. some changes there, and uh, and it they're really focused on 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 Apple products. I think that's that's what's worked out well for them, and and uh, so it, it's a whole it's a whole different site than it was a year ago. I think they changed it maybe I don't know three or four five months ago, something like that. So. Uh, I think that's it. You got anything anything else to add here, John? Before we uh, before we finish up this all i can say is just i'm humbled and uh 400 thank you so much we, we got to thank the 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 community that i think we've all built here for supporting us and uh i'm hoping for another 400 shows 
That'll take another seven years. Maybe maybe five and a half, well, actually. I, uh, right. Hopefully, I will be on this mortal coil for at least that long, as, as will you. That's the plan, my friend. That is the plan. <laughs> All right, folks, we will talk to you in a week and a half. It will be... What? What's Wednesday. happening? It will, what be doing? <laughs> it will be Wednesday, June 13th. We will celebrate our, our seventh anniversary, but, uh, but we'll be back to answering your questions, and we'll talk a little bit about whatever it is we learn at the WWDC keynote on Monday. Thank you very much. Have a great week, and don't get caught. Made up.